Derek's gone. Holy crap. Blake's gone. Holy crap. Uh, excited to see Hamadou Diallo. I, I hope we get to see him this season. I hope he's, 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 got a, he's got a problem with his hammy. That can't be right. It was a groin. It was a groin. There's no way Hammy has a problem with his Hammy. That just would be too convenient. Coming to you from nowhere, Michigan, in front of a live audience of a couple of cats... This is Emotown. So there was an article that went around on like Facebook and Twitter and I don't want to, I don't remember what blog it originated on and it doesn't really matter. There was nothing wrong really with the article or the guy who, you know, the person who wrote it or the the publication or anything like that it's not it's not it's not that it's not a bad article that's that's not my point here that's not what i'm about to get into it's going to seem like maybe i'm saying it's a bad article and 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 that's that really isn't what i mean it's not where my heart's at but you've all probably seen it the 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 headline of the article is that the detroit pistons turned tobias harris reggie jackson andre drummond and blake griffin into one second round draft pick and the people sharing it, not all of them, but a lot of them, just about every casual Pistons fan that you know that likes to share something every now and then about why they hate the team or why they hate, why the Pistons suck or why they root for the Warriors now or this is why I just root for whatever team LeBron is on. Whatever bullshit excuse you have for not being a fan anymore attached to, you know, in a a post with this article attached. Anybody who's been watching the team knows that we traded Tobias Harris for Blake Griffin. So it's weird to include him in this list anyways. Anybody watching the NBA who's not a casual knows that Drummond is a buyout candidate. That the second round pick and a handful of washed up players that we got for him is about all he actually was worth. That's all that, that's, that n- nobody over there in Cleveland thinks that they're going to be able to get anything more out of him. He's, he's, a, he's a literal buyout candidate. Just like Blake Griffin. And that's sad. And it's sad that we gave up Tobias Harris and... He wasn't having a great time as a Detroit Piston, but Avery Bradley, Boban Marjanovic, who seems like he's a delightful person. It's a shame we gave up those guys. But 76ers fans don't seem to appreciate Tobias Harris. They seem to think that he's kind of an albatross and his contract gets blamed for why their team isn't as good as it maybe should be seemingly at least from what I see at a distance all the time. So if you're not just somebody who wants to like complain about the team and, and just, you know, share some, the article isn't bullshit. Most of their thoughts about the article is what is bullshit. And 
the article isn't really half-cocked. It's most of these thoughts about it that just come off as, yes, it happened. We turned Tobias Harris, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, and Blake Griffin into one second-round pick, and that sucks. We gave too big of a contract to Reggie Jackson. The contract didn't end up being as friendly as it was supposed to end up being because the cap didn't keep ballooning and ballooning the way it was supposed to. So that ended up being even worse potentially than what it had to be. And yeah, Andre Drummond should have been traded at least one year before he was. Basically, when you brought in Blake Griffin, it was time to move on from Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond was becoming a decent little... And by decent, I just mean for a big man, for finding a secondary skill next to rebounding, passing, picking out little cutters, diamond people out from the top of the post... That was what he was getting good at, and that's also what Blake was good at when he came here, and what Blake's future looked like it would be when his knees started to go. So as soon as you make that trade, it's probably, they make the trade, they don't make the playoffs, they get rid of Van Gundy, that's when you get rid of Andre Drummond, and you get value for him, maybe, right? And that wasn't Troy Weaver that made those moves. So, it's just these people there that are sharing that thing. They, they, they look like they just don't, like they just don't really watch the team. And Jackson, also, he, he puts up nights where like all he did was eat donuts. So, I just... I don't really want to hear like, yes, it, it looks worse. It looks a whole lot worse than it really is. And if you watch the NBA and you pay attention and you watch the Detroit Pistons and you pay attention, you know that while that looks really bad and while it sucked to live through, it's not as bad as these morons want to make it sound. Okay, so I'm recording this Sunday night, and uh, I got to be honest with you, we were carrying, uh, we, the Pistons, we, were carrying two straight wins into this game against the Bulls, uh, so I had some expectations going into the game. I thought we were going to win! I really did. And the first quarter was, everything was going according to plan, according to what I had hoped. Uh, everybody was playing well. Jeremy was, uh, he had Lori Markinen on a pair of roller skates for most of the quarter. He was just really, really taking it to him. Uh, being the aggressor, he, it just, that's the kind of thing you like to see. It's, it seemed like we had an idea what to do from the get-go to put ourselves in a position where we might have a shot at stealing a game from a, a better team. Like Chicago's, Chicago is better. They're better. 
And honestly, by about halfway through the second quarter, I knew it was over. I'm not supposed to know it's over. You're supposed to have a little bit of faith. You're supposed to... But you watch enough games of the same team, basically. Though it's a very different team than it was the last time I did a podcast. And, and that's a that's a whole other thing. But, uh, you know, you've been watching what's basically the same team all season. You get a sense of what they're liable to do in any given situation how it's all bound to shake out and i think anybody who's been watching all season long once chicago had that long run to end the second quarter that put them up by a point i think we all knew the writing was on the wall we all knew this one was pretty much over things could be worse uh Things could definitely be worse. We have uh, some news in Charlotte that LaMelo Ball is out for the rest of the season, likely, with a wrist injury. Uh, so, so it's not... We're not working with the whole season here, so we're not talking about necessarily something that's devastating, physically speaking, but bad enough that it's going to keep him out till the, the middle of May or something. That's what they're saying right now, anyway. That's uh, that's kind of bummer news from around the NBA for the rest of them, and and something that we kind of already have going on with Killian Hayes. We haven't seen him for what was it like maybe seven games? I think it was seven games. I think that's how many we got. I hope to see him again before the end of the year. I know we all do. We want to know what we have there. <laughs> Since the last time I did a show. Uh, we've done quite a few things. Uh, there was a, a Derrick Rose trade that brought Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith Jr. into town. And he has a triple-double to his name since he's been here. And has played... Well, he's, he's showed that he's an NBA player still, I think, with his time in Detroit. Uh, we have a, a buyout of Blake Griffin, which I suppose is uh, maybe the most recent major thing that's, well, actually, I, I can't remember the order of op, or the order of events here, whether the Blake trade or the Blake, excuse me, the Blake buyout or the Hamadou Diallo trade, which one happened first, but Spima Hiluk is gone now. Uh, gosh, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy to think that the team could have changed that much in in less than than two months, but that's that's Troy Weaver. That's his way. That's his style. I think we've we've seen that his clip will not be empty. He is not gun shy, and uh, he's making the team in in the image of, of of what he sees. I think as the future of the NBA, uh, you have. A lot of guys who are between six foot five and six foot nine, who have long arm spans, who shuffle side to side fairly well, who can guard and kind of even play multiple positions, uh, and not a lot of shooting. 
right? We don't have a lot of shooting anymore. We we just got rid of some spare shooting that we had. We didn't really, I guess you couldn't call it spare shooting because we don't, it isn't spare. That's that's the whole thing with this team right now. There's, there is no shooting. There's no shooting on this team. Wayne Ellington isn't long for the Detroit Pistons. I guess I wouldn't be terribly surprised. He seems to be a veteran leader, and I think that his his you know eleven years I think now of NBA experience is valuable to the Detroit Pistons young core and what they have going forward, and all the reclamation projects they have can look at a guy like Wayne Ellington, whose career has gone up and down, uh, but has kicked up. When he's put in effort, he's consistently put in effort, it has paid off, and he's become, at various times, not just now, that's why I say it's kind of an up and down thing, he's been an up and down commodity over the course of his career, but it's always through hard work, and, and, and accepting and knowing your role, and I think that that's something that our young players and reclamation projects and stuff that we have on, on this current team they can all learn from that. He's valuable to them in that regard. So I, I, I say that he's not long for the team. I say that I expect a trade uh, almost any day now. Um, and I do, but at the same time, I, I think that he, he is valuable to the team. So it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to, to re-sign him. But with the way that he's played this year, you got to think that he's going to want more money than the Detroit Pistons are going to want to pay him going forward, right? Because he's not, he's not going to be playing 35 minutes a night or anything like that. Like That's not his role on the team right now. I mean, I get that, but like, he's not, he's, he's not going to play those types of minutes. There's going to be a young, potentially an additional young player that plays that position coming into town. Uh, if uh, people get their, their wish about Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green, the, the, these are guys that also play guard at the very least, right? Jalen Suggs, like the, these, are, these are all guards. And, and so what's Wayne Ellington going to do? other than be some type of player coach who doesn't play a lot. And I, I, I think he's shown that he can still play. He should want to play, right? So it's hard to see him being on the team. He's, he's probably not long for the team. And so we don't, we don't have a lot of shooting. Another thing that's happened, though, in the time since I've last made a podcast, even though they were both skyrocketing the entire time anyways, but uh, Beef Stew and Sadiq Bey both have just really like I feel like their names are, are more in the national spotlight than they it's, it's not a big spotlight on either guy but I, I feel like both of them are getting a bit more national attention when it comes to NBA Twitter uh, Bleacher Report that are not like specific Detroit articles, but like national Bleacher Report articles that mention Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay had the Conference Player of the Week. Um, 
Beef Stew's hitting these three-pointers. I think that we might have had the a bit of the right idea in the wrong direction about Isaiah Stewart when we all started comparing him to Ben Wallace. Um, ben Wallace is about to be inducted, I think. Maybe not this year, but... You know, I think he will be soon inducted into the Hall of Fame as a finalist. That's an all-timer. That's an all-timer. It's probably not fair to compare Isaiah Stewart to Ben Wallace, but the comparisons are, are evident. But I, I feel like we missed it. I feel like we missed a little something. Isaiah Stewart, more than being a, a direct comparison to a guy like Ben Wallace, is... He's close. He's shown himself to be something closer to this like weird sum of the Wallaces. You have a guy. I, I think he. I, he reminds me. He reminds me more of Rashid Wallace. I think than he does even Ben Wallace. Uh, his his jump shot is. It's gonna be a weapon. It's seriously his 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 jump shot's gonna be a weapon. His I don't know that his post moves I don't know that there there's very few people who had the pure post game. That was like unfair the way that Rashid's Rashid Wallace's was. So it's it's difficult to compare anybody's post game to Rashid's. So I don't I don't I don't think he'll have that type of post game. But he's got a post game. He's got offensive skills that Ben Wallace never had. Just never had. And he's maybe got defensive skills or defensive effort and defensive attitude that Rashid Wallace... You can't say he never had, but that Rashid Wallace didn't always have every night and Pistons fans will know what I mean uh actually it's it's unfair to say didn't have every night I mean because I think every player doesn't have it some nights he didn't have it at weird times throughout the night he kind of would fall asleep here and there and I don't see that with 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 beef stew really that's the difference he has he has a and a, a plus plus level of engagement that uh that rashid just didn't didn't always have you know and so i think that he's kind of this weird sum of of, of both of them not that he has to be compared to those two guys, but this is where he is. This is where he wound up, and this is where those guys, you know, really made, like, a name for themselves. And, well, depending on how old you are, I guess. Rashid Wallace, to me, that's, he's, I'll always remember him in Portland. Not more than Detroit, and and I don't think he would want to be remembered more in Portland than in Detroit. He didn't win a championship in Portland. He did in Detroit, you know. Uh, 
but he was like a really dynamic scorer. First option on the team. Truly dynamic freak of a player when he was in Portland. So it's it's hard to not remember that. But, uh, you know, as I was saying, this is where Isaiah wound up. This is where those guys were great. It's impossible to think with his skill set on both sides of the ball that he isn't going to be compared to those guys. It's just impossible. It's lofty. It's a lot of pressure for the kid. But as fans, there's just no way we're not going to connect those dots, right? Um, How about the new guy? How about the new guy? Tyler Cook. Uh, I I don't really know about a whole lot about him. I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that I don't know a whole lot about him, um, but from what I was kind of like looking up and doing a little bit of research, it looks like he's a really solid ball handler, uh, and and a good passer. He's especially for like a big man, and and he sets good screens. He reminds me. I mean, it's a lot of the same kind of things that you would say about Mason Plumlee. Uh, I wonder. I, I'm I'm curious to see how much we'll get to see him during his 10-day contract it it makes me wonder if maybe Jaleel is going to be going out the door or if Mason Plumlee is going to be going out the door obviously it's getting to silly season for NBA trades where everything is just up in the air and everybody's future seems to be in question without signing a big man I mean I knew that a lot of people have been talking about the possibility of Mason Plumlee being traded I don't know why you would want that. I'm going to touch on that a little bit here coming up. Specifically, I want to talk about Mason a little bit. But you know, people have been talking about him being traded a lot. I didn't really see it happening until they, until they brought in a, a big man on a 10-day contract. And now I'm thinking, who knows? Just who knows? Especially a guy with... Uh, Skills that are really similar to Mason's, with the ball, especially if he's going to be a center at six foot eight. His real positives then at that position become the way the Pistons do things in their motion offense with the center. He can handle the ball just a little bit better than Mason, and he's probably not as good of a passer as Mason, but he's a really good passer. I say probably not as good of a passer as, as Mason is because he's he's really good at it. So it's, I don't want to just assume this other dude because he had good numbers in the G League is you know dishing out assists that he's going to be just as good as Mason at it. Like that's that seems unfair to Mason, right? But it it is curious though that he seems to have very similar skills to what Mason brings. It makes you think maybe one of them's on the way out. It makes you think that if one of them's on the way out, it's probably Mason Plumley, because that's the one. He's not injured, A. He's having a really good season. And that's the one, if I was another team that was contending and pushing for a title, that I would want. I mean, could you imagine Mason Plumley somewhere like Boston or somewhere like Brooklyn? He'd be really good. It'd be good for those teams. It would be better than some of the options that those teams are currently trotting out there at that position. 
he seems like, you know, I don't think anybody's trading for an injured Jaleel Okafor. Not that he hasn't had a couple good moments this season or whatever, but nobody's trading for an injured Jaleel Okafor. And I'd like to not see Mason go. But anyway, that's the that's all the big stuff that's happened since the last time that I did a show. And, uh, you know, life got a little crazy for a little bit there, as it does for everybody sometimes. And just making this podcast wasn't something I could really do for a little bit. And, and really be able to, to put my, like, heart in it, you know? It was just, uh, everything was other places uh so you know now things are a little bit more normal i i watched the pistons i was tweeting pistons pretty much the whole time um my engagement with with the team it it didn't really change much i was still reading pistons i was still consuming still reading james edwards if you don't subscribe to the athletic they don't, you know, they don't listen to me, so, you know, they don't know I'm saying this, but you should. That's that's the best place, probably, to get Pistons coverage. I think James bothers to go to a, a level of fan service that something like Freep or the Detroit News or whatever doesn't really do when it comes to, like, uh, he goes and he'll he'll speculate a little bit about what he thinks about, about trades and who might be good target, good people to target or, or who might be on their way out. Just all that, all the stuff that you kind of wish, that I always wished when I was a kid that, like, the newspaper would talk about a little bit more stuff that's a little bit closer to what you might hear talked about on the jump or something about but better and about your team but you know we don't get a lot of that kind of coverage as pistons fans this this stuff that james does is better than that and about your team so i i highly recommend it but you know i was i was reading all that stuff while I was kind of stepping away from doing the podcasting for a little bit. I was still still reading, still still tweeting, still watching. Uh, I'm sure I missed some stuff, some moments that I would have liked to have talked about with all of you that I don't really want to go back. And, like like the, the two triple-doubles in the same game and, and stuff like that. Like Those those are cool little things that I would have liked to have talked about with you guys. Uh, I just, you know, I don't want to go back and spend a whole lot of time on stuff that already happened. So, Derek's gone. Holy crap. Blake's gone. Holy crap. Uh, excited to see Hamadou Diallo. I, I hope we get to see him this season. I hope he's, 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 got, a, he's got a problem with his hammy. That can't be right. It was a groin. It was a groin. There's no way Hammy has a problem with his Hammy. That just would be too convenient. Uh, it's a groin. Um, yeah. So, like, you know, I'm. That's all that happened. Spee is gone. Goodbye. Spee was playing great. I, I had a whole profile comparing him to John Barry that I wanted to do. 
Uh, when I say playing great, I, I mean that he he was handling the ball as like a secondary ball handler better than he ever had before. He was he was he was playing that scrappy gambler type defense that I like that he plays. He was doing stuff, you know. He was he had a few really good games, had a lot of assists leading up to his trade. I felt like he was having a bad season shooting the ball, but having a good season for the rest of his game. And fans were kind of down on him because they don't see the ball going in the hoop that much, but there's a whole lot more to basketball. And and a lot of those guys when they have the ability to shoot that even if they have a whole down season, can still come back and and and, and be that guy again. So I, I wish him well. Uh, I understand the trade. I I look at the the highlights for uh, Hammy's also having a really good year, uh, the best year of his career so far. And you look at the highlights and you know basically drool. This guy is so long, he's so athletic, he just feel like he could just take off and dunk from anywhere. You feel like he can jump any passing lane. I don't know how you dribble around him with his six foot eleven arm span and as quick side to side as he is. He's got no jump shot. He can't shoot. He can't he can't shoot. So we'll see. Maybe he'll find a jumper. Maybe he won't. But he's going to add some excitement to the team. I hope we get to see him soon. Anyway. Okay. It's trade season. And and the Pistons, they have a guard problem. You might think to yourself, no, they don't have a guard problem, dude. They just got, you know... They got Dennis Smith Jr. and they got they got Saban Lee and they got Frank Jackson and they got Hamadou Diallo and they got Wayne Ellington and they got Josh Jackson and and then they got Killian Hayes and they got Delon Wright and yeah right bro you just said it yourself they have a guard problem you can't play all those guys that's one two three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guards on this team. And that doesn't count Dave Servetus because he doesn't ever play. So, uh, you know, maybe 10. He might be more of a forward. I think he's more of a three, but, you know, you never know. And at least Josh Jackson also, uh, who I did count because he plays a lot of shooting guard. He also kind of, he's a forward too, so he could play either spot really and not a whole lot of difference between it. But some guys you wouldn't see as a forward, so there is some difference between it, you know. Uh, Who are we going to draft, man? Who are we going to draft if you got this many guards? Like if you got Killian and DeLon and, 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 and Saban Lee, do you really need to draft a point guard right now? If you do, does that mean you should move on from one of those guys? If you're going to move on from one of those guys, is it Killian? 
it's probably not. I, I get so confused because I don't want to give up on Killian. I think that there's a real player in there somewhere. I really do. I know we only saw seven games, and I know it was just like none of those seven games were all that great. But, I mean, Troy Weaver did a really good job with the other picks he did in the draft. So, I don't think that the guy that he went in wanting, supposedly, right? The guy he went in wanting is that far off of what he actually thought he was. That that doesn't seem likely. It's possible, but it doesn't seem likely. But he's got that injury history. He's certainly played less and certainly seems to have a higher upside if you were going to try to get something for him. That's my that's that's the real crux of it, right? If you were going to trade somebody, if you had three young point guards, three point guards who were rookies or second-year players by this point, you know, next year. We're talking this this time next year. Wouldn't Killian possibly be the one you would move on from if they were all kind of playing well? If they were all playing well, if you get, you know, Suggs or uh, Cade, you know, if you get one of those guys and they're playing well, and Killian is playing well next year. And Saban Lee is playing well next year. You're probably not going to get a lot for Saban. Second round pick. Who knows what that contract will look like at that point. I don't know. He's got He's on a two-way contract right now. I don't know what that converts into as far as like team control for next season. I'm pretty sure we have the option of first refusal, but he's not going to be signing a rookie contract anymore. I think it would be some sort of veterans contract. Uh, I'm a little fuzzy on some of that stuff. I'm not a lawyer, which is what it seems like you need to be to to, to understand all of it. But, uh, you know, I... With, with the way money has to match and things like that, it just seems like he might be harder to get good value for. This is all speculative, but but that's that's the point. Is like there are so many guards on this team. Dennis Smith Jr. What what's what's the deal with him going to be? Like I, I have a hard time believing that he's going to be on the team next year, or that there's even really a spot for him when I look at all of this. It just start. It gives me anxiety, honestly, looking at it because these guys all deserve to play. Killian deserves to figure out who he's going to be. Delon Wright has played really well. He gets trashed on a lot online, which is silly. He's he's had a really good year. He's had a number of very good games. He's not a a great player. So he's not going to make the play every single time. He's not going to make the big shot every single time. But he's shooting overall very good percentages. Shooting a good percentage from three. He has, a, uh, I think, the sixth or seventh best assist-to-turnover ratio in the league. At least for point guards. He rebounds the ball well. 
I, I just, I mean, he's good. He deserves to play. You want him probably to be on the team because he's a he's a veteran and he's a, a bit of a security blanket and a bit of a stabilizer for our younger guards. But he's also he's somebody who might be worth something to a contender. You can't trade, I don't think this season anyway, Dennis Smith. I again I'm a little bit fuzzy with COVID and everything like that, how all of the legal stuff is working with how quickly you can turn around on a player, but I don't think they can trade Dennis Smith Jr. before the trade deadline. I, I don't I don't think that would be allowed. So now you're left again with Delon. I think right now, basically, Dennis Smith is probably auditioning to be Delon Wright for the rest of the season and Delon Wright to be traded. I, th- I think that's what he's been auditioning for. He's had a few good games. He may have well earned that opportunity. It's just, it's hard to think that a guy like Dennis Smith Jr., who's had, I guess some people say some attitude problems, being your veteran stabilizer and security blanket for your guard group. You have Killian and Sabin and Dennis Smith Jr. It just seems like it's asking for trouble. Ask him, not trouble, but failure. Failure. It seems like it's asking for failure. And at the same time, keeping all them guys don't seem like that's going to work either. This is something that our GM's going to have to figure out. You got Frank Jackson... They're saying on Pistons Live that he's auditioning for that Wayne Ellington role, I think is what somebody said. Maybe it was Grant or something like that. I I don't know, man. I don't see it. Maybe I'm a jerk. Maybe he's better than that. But I just don't see it with Frank. I like Frank. Good player. I like watching him out there. I just don't, I don't see it. And obviously Rodney Magruder, he's out right now. I'm a fan of Rodney Magruder simply because Clay Thompson talked all that garbage about him and nobody should have a peer talking about how they're going to be out of the league and stuff like that on national television or regional television or whatever it was. I... I don't like it. And it made me a Rodney Magruder fan almost instantly because he seems to be somebody who's an effort player, has his place in the league because he comes to comes to practice and practices hard and is a practice player for other people, basically. And when he gets his opportunities to play recently, he's he's put up numbers. He's on a I think it's a one year five million dollar deal. That might be able to fetch you a, a reclamation project from some team that would rather have a steady and stable Rodney Magruder than some 
late first round pick from a couple of years ago who has their ups and downs, their version of Seko Dumbuya, who I also don't know if he's going to be on this team anymore in a week. It'll be interesting to see. But yeah, we have a guard problem. I, I think it's easy to see that. Okay, so one last thing to talk about in this little, I guess, a comeback episode of the Emo Town Pistons podcast, and that is Mason Plumley. I see on Twitter, on Facebook, places where you see fans talking, especially in the in this age of you know, COVID and stuff, where we're you know some of us are seeing less and less of each other. Uh, some of us in certain situations and things like that, or whose works maybe are, are still social distancing or, or still at home or whatever. So I find that more and more Facebook is a place where people go and are going, and these Facebook groups are very popular, and you get a lot of talk where people seem to, every game I get, and you see people calling Mason Plumley Bumley, and you, you, you just, it seems to be a real negative perception of of not just Mason Plumley, which is, it's fine. He's not a great player, like like he's not. But he's 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 a more than serviceable NBA center, uh, and and does a good job playing within the role that he's asked to on this team. Uh, and I feel like if you if you're at all an educated basketball fan and you know it, what you're looking at and you, you have a, a taste for the game, you can see that. You, and and other teams that are better than the Pistons want him. And they want him for his skill set, but also for his skill set and ability compared to the amount of money that he makes. Mason's averaging 10 points, 9.5 boards, and 3.5 assists a night. Now, I think sometimes we we tend to lose track of what averages are. They're average. That's not a good Mason Plumlee game statistically. It's not one of his better games. It's an average game. That's what he's you can pencil him in for that. Anything less is like, oh, he kind of had a bad game and anything more is, oh, he's on tonight, but you can pen- pencil him in for this. At 8 million dollars a year and eight million dollars is a tricky number because somebody might be able to go and see oh well De'Aaron Fox makes eight million dollars a year not flat but he doesn't make nine it's it's between eight and nine so oh De'Aaron Fox Marvin Bagley like these people all make eight million dollars a year but they're on rookie contracts they're on that four years and then like you're uh Restricted free agency after that. They're under team-controlled contracts right now. They're always going to be, especially when they're on the rookie deal. James Wiseman makes $8 million. I'd rather have him than Mason Plumley. And it's like, well, but he's on a rookie deal. He's on a rookie deal. Mason Plumley is on a veteran contract. It's a very different $8 million. It's a very different circumstance under which you're accepting and giving out that $8 million. So let's talk about some vets that get paid around the same amount that Mason Plumley does because eight flat is a very difficult number to to find. So uh, Royce O'Neal makes just a little bit, just a tiny, tiny bit to the point where it's almost equal, more money. He plays for the Utah Jazz. 
than than Mason Plumlee does. Royce O'Neal is an undersized power forward, a player that I actually I really like. I'm not trying to say anything bad about Royce O'Neal or what he might be able to do in a situation like if he played for Detroit and got a little bit more playing time or got a little bit more offensive responsibility. I, 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 we can't try to make up what situations they're in and speculate about that sort of thing too much. I, I'm just trying to go off of what you're getting. And with Royce O'Neal, it's 7-6-2, seven, 7.6 six, boards, 2 assists this season. Those are not bad numbers. They're not bad numbers for a guy getting paid $8 million who's a role player on your team. I mean, there's He's a good player. Mason Plumlee is better, I think. Mason Plumlee certainly contributes more appreciable and things that are small like screens and a little bit of rim protection. He 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 really contributes a lot to the team for his eight million dollars. I think more than Royce O'Neal's. You got CJ Miles, that's dead money, by the way. Uh Dario Saric makes I think about a million dollars more than Mason Plumley. And he's he's not he's Again, he plays for the Suns, and there are other better players on the team, and he maybe doesn't have the responsibility that all of them do. He also doesn't play center. He's just a front court player, uh, and I, I can't do perfect position matches for all these guys, but Dario's okay. He's an okay player. Again, I think you're getting more. Uh, you're, you're getting more for Mason Plumley. As I'm recording this, I have to stop for a second. As I'm recording this, I've just gotten, it was either Bleacher Report or The Athletic, a notification on my phone that popped over uh, the Anchor app, which I use to record these podcasts, telling me that this season, the Detroit Pistons turned down a trade offer from the Sacramento Kings of Marvin Bagley for Sadiq Bay, And I gotta say, that's the kind of thing that I would have expected somebody like Stan Van Gundy or got that last front office to maybe jump on. Troy Weaver said no. I, I, I can't, be, I mean, obviously I know he said no because Sadiq's still on the team, but I, I can't be, I couldn't be happier about that. I think Sadiq Bay is going to be a very, very, very big piece of the next really good Pistons team. I'm glad we kept him. Uh, I, I, I like Marvin Bagley. I want Marvin Bagley on the team. If there's some other way to facilitate that, I'm all about it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say anything bad about Bagley. I think he could – he's not had a bad career, but he's not Luka Doncic. And, and I think that's always going to have to kind of taint his perception a little bit in Sacramento. So I understand why he would want to get out of there. And I think that coming to a place like Detroit or anything like that could be really good for him. Uh, if, if there's a way to facilitate that that doesn't involve Sadiq Bey or any of the core four, I'd, I'd be really happy to see it happen. Um, but again, that, that even more trust in this time of year, Troy Weaver, is he's going to do things. We know he's going to do things. I guarantee you he's not done as it stands right now. But at least we're not doing that. That would have been... I mean, if there's a way to move, like, Sekudumbuya and, you know, I don't know who else, but somebody else, Rodney Magruder or something like that, and a second-round pick and try and pick up Bagley, I think that would be a good... I, I don't know if the numbers with that all work. I don't know if the numbers with that all work. Uh, Magruder, 
Bagley's in that eight million dollar range. Again, he's on. A, I actually had just mentioned him. He's on. He's on that rookie deal. He's in that eight million dollar range. And uh, Rodney Magruder's making five million. I don't know what Sekadumbuya's salary is. I don't. I don't know if that could work or not. But that's the kind of trade that I would be okay with seeing take place if you're going to try to bring somebody like Bagley in. Um, I, I wouldn't be too super crazy about seeing one of the core four going. I'm, I'm really glad we're not going to see that. Anyway, uh, back to the Mason Plumley stuff, who's another player that I'm about to make the case for why you don't trade Mason Plumley. but if there's a way you can get Bagley for him, it, it might be worth exploring. I, I, th- I think the Kings would want more, though. Um, again, the salaries work. Just I, I would think that they would want more. Uh, anyway, Mason, we got C.J. Miles. He's not even playing. Dario Saric plays for a contender. You don't know what how much he might be able to contribute in an environment where he was asked to do a little bit more. But I do think that Mason Plumlee is a better player. Then you have Maxi Kleber. Him and Mason are uh, pretty close in age. I think Maxi's 29 and Mason's 30. Maxi averages seven five and one seven points five boards one rebound. Again, got he, he plays with some more premier players. He's not asked to maybe do quite as much in the offense as Mason Plumley is with the way that Dwayne Casey's motion offense kind of features a lot of handoffs and dribbling action and passing from the center position. Uh, I, I'm not saying Maxie has the exact same, or any of these guys have the exact same opportunity, but he doesn't... I, I don't think he moves... I don't think he moves the needle for you in any kind of significant way at all, but I don't think he does so more than Mason Plumley does. Uh, and then you get into guys who make just a little bit more than Mason, who a guy like Montres Harrell. Montres Harrell is on a he makes nine and a half million dollars this season, and somebody could say that, oh well, we could have probably swung that instead of signing Mason Plumley and Jaleel Okafor. But Montres Harrell is on a contender discount. He's on the LeBron James discount. He's not a $9 million player for a small market middling team or a bad team. That he, he, he would command a whole lot more salary than that. I'm not trying to say like, you know, some crazy figure like double it or anything like that. But he would, he would command quite a bit more salary than that. I don't think that him and Mason truly have comparable value. I, I think when you're in a situation like with the, the Lakers are in – you can kind of sign guys for, as we've seen, you'll be able to sign guys for money that other teams can't. Uh, Serge Ibaka also on a contender discount, though I would argue at this point that Mason Plumlee is a, is probably a better player. Uh, Robin Lopez makes less money than Mason Plumlee, but Mason, but he's also old. He's an old man, and and Mason is a better player right now than Robin Lopez is. Uh, Robin Lopez might be a better rim protector. He might be a better... uh, He might be a better nasty to have down low. You remember the nasty boys in WCW? Uh, Robin Lopez would be a better nasty, maybe, than Mason Plumlee is. But he's not a better basketball player, I don't think. Aaron Baines makes less money than Mason Plumlee. Both by about Robin and Aaron, both by about a million dollars less than Mason Plumley, so still very comparable contracts. Aaron Baines is also 34 years old. I couldn't believe that when I saw that. It seems like he seems like there's no way he could be that old. And I'm an Aaron Baines fan. I liked Aaron Baines uh, during his time here in Detroit. 
I, I root for him anywhere else he's been, Boston, Toronto. Uh, I, I like him, but I, it, Mason Plumlee is a better player right now for only a million dollars more. I, I, would you rather that some – like I know that they weren't both free agents at the same time. I, I don't think they were anyway. But would you rather have Aaron Baines for $7 million than Mason Plumlee for $8 million? Is it really worth complaining about him on a nightly basis and how much he gets paid on a nightly basis? Wait, wait, look at what – go on Real GM. Go on ESPN. Go look at NBA player salaries and tell me what player you would rather have, specifically what front court player. And if you can do it, please, what center you would rather have for the – who's a vet – who is you cannot grab some guy on a rookie contract who is a vet who makes eight million dollars a year who you're better off having than Mason Plumley? Find him. DeAndre Jordan makes more money than Mason Plumley. He is not affecting the game the same way that Mason Plumley is. I'm not trying to act like he's not maybe a be- he's not probably a better rebounder than Plumley even at this age, or that he's not more athletic potentially, or that he's not. A better rim protect. I'm not trying to act like he might not even be in a certain situation a better player. But what I'm saying is it's comparable. He makes more money. I think I'd rather have Mason Plumley, And I think that with all the Mason Plumley to Brooklyn stuff, like they think that they need him too. So... I just... I guess I don't understand where all the constant criticism of Mason Plumley comes from. It reminds me a little bit of being a Red Wings fan when uh, Chris Osgood was the goalie. For a long time there, and, and I understand that some of those Red Wings teams underachieved, and that's that's a whole other thing, but for a long time there, the most popular player on the Detroit Red Wings was Chris Osgood's backup, as far as fans were concerned. And then we didn't have him for a few years. And I feel like we kind of... I mean, obviously, eventually they missed him enough because they brought him back, right? And we won another Stanley Cup when you replaced Hasek, when Hasek seemed too fatigued or like he didn't quite have it in the playoffs. That's what. That's honestly what... Plumlee is not... <laughs> it's, it's not doing myself any favors to compare Plumlee and Chris Osgood as though they're the same caliber of uh, athlete in Detroit Pantheon or anything like that. They're not. And, and I'm not trying to make that direct comparison. It's just, it, it reminds me of that. It's like Mason Plumlee, for whatever reason, despite being dependable and a good value for the money and on a team, gladly on a team that's not going anywhere, that we don't want to go anywhere. All the fans are all fade for Cade and all this garbage. We don't want this team to really win that much. And you take a guy who does all the small things and all the right things and and little things that other guys can't do as well and you want to just run him out of town. It makes very little sense sometimes. Anyway, wouldn't be surprised to see him traded. Wouldn't be surprised to see him on the team for the next two years. Definitely won't be surprised for to hear all the criticism for him for the rest of the time that he is on the team. That's just the way it is, right? Anyway, hopefully if you're one of those people, you don't feel like I'm harping on you too bad, or hopefully even more, you don't care that I am. But maybe, just maybe, 
I've uh, changed your mind a little bit about Mason Plumley and, and what his value for that money really is in relation to the rest of the NBA. Um, people hear $24 million and they don't realize that that's maybe, maybe some of them don't realize that's split up over three years. It's $8 million a year. That's a really, for a, for a, a decent veteran player, you're not really getting, getting that for $8 million a year. And then there's all this, oh, well, we could have had Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant and maybe we could have. And I think what Troy Weaver may have recognized is the same thing that I think a lot of fans are maybe starting to recognize is that we could have had Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant. If we did, we would not have Isaiah Stewart. Beef! I can't tell you for sure whose ceiling is higher, Isaiah Stewart or Christian Wood, but I think it's Isaiah Stewart. But also, if Jeremy and Christian Wood were to be on this team together, we'd be flirting for a play-in game, if not a playoff spot. And then we're not, we're just right back where we were when we had Reggie and Andre, and yeah, that's a team that's going to win maybe even more than they lose, but it's not a team that's going to do anything once they get to the playoffs, and that's not the team that Troy Weaver is trying to build. So sometimes... You make a decision that makes you worse in the short run so that you can be maybe better off in the long run. And that's what Mason Plumley over Christian Wood, if you want to look at it like that, look at it like this. Mason Plumley and Isaiah Stewart over Christian Wood. That's what this comes down to. It comes down to being a little bit worse this season so that we can be a little bit better in the future. Anyway. Thanks for putting up with me, guys. I hope you had a little bit of fun listening to me today, and I'm going to leave you with some words from Doc Joe Brown. If you haven't listened to the Pro Wrestling for Pro Wrestling Talk for Pistons Fans podcast, you need to. You need to. It's one of the best ones out there. It's short. It's nothing like the undertaking that listening to this one might be. It's short. It's breezy. It's fun. And it's got a great host, one of the best in the biz. I'll see y'all next week. Hi, I'm Doc Joe Brown, and I'm a Pistons fan. Also, I'm a pro wrestling fan. I host a podcast titled Pro Wrestling Talk for the Pistons Fan. But when I just need my Pistons kick, I'm listening to Emotown, hosted by Matt and Uncle Drew. You can find Emotown on all major podcast catchers. Be sure to subscribe, download, and listen.